invite Brian Carlson to uh, read some of the word, lead us in reading the word. And uh, let's put, um, let's get Romans 8, uh, 17 to 21 up there. And Brian's going to lead us in that passage and then pray for the word. <laughs> I just sprung this on Brian. Yeah, let's read this together. Hold on a sec. Get you, sorry. Test, test. I mean, there we go. Okay. All right, let's read together. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Sorry. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Amen. Sorry, that's the end. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us into all truth now, that you'd be our teacher. Thank you for that promise. We receive it. And I pray that you'd speak to each heart. So empower Neil and yeah, fire the truth into our inner man, into our inner being. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. Yes, please have a seat. In the natural, fathers provide two things for their children. They provide hope. That is, hey, son, hey, daughter, you can make it in this crazy world. And they also provide help. This is how you do it. Okay, in the natural, fathers provide two things for their children, both sons and daughters. They provide hope, hey, you can make it in this crazy world, and they provide help, here's how you can make it. And when we don't have a father, the consequences can be fairly disastrous. Let's turn our attention to the screen for a short clip. off. <laughs> Can I bring you through the screenplay a little bit? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great film. A uh, short film by actually a local guy here in New Hampshire. Scene opens. His name is Robert. It's a, we're, we're, we're gonna we might get it. I don't want to give it all away. But we got it. Things that a father does or as in this film, a father figure, <coughs> he provides, uh, he's able to pull, if, if we kind of think of mother as comfort, mother provides comfort, mother love is the comfort, the safety, 
a father's the one who calls son or daughter out of that into the world, giving them the encouragement they need, the hope they need, and then also the practical help, the hope and the help. What about you? With your own father, with your own earthly father, do you feel like you received the hope that, hey, you can make it in this world? Do you feel like you received the help? Here's how you can make it in the world. And I imagine in a room like this, there is a range of answers to that question. But the question that we bring to the scripture today is, Father, we know that you want to give us hope. Father, we know that you want to give us help. What does that look like? How does that work? Of course, your Father in heaven wants to give you hope. You can make it. He's gone before you. And he wants to give you help. Here's how you can make it. So let's look at how that works. Let's look at Romans 8. Start at 17, the verses we just read together. Romans 8, verse 17. In this first section, we'll just look at how we all suffer as a part of a frustrated creation. We all suffer as a part of a frustrated creation. Romans 8, 17 to 30. Now, if we are children, remember that two weeks ago, we found out that we were drawn in free from sin, right? That the genius of God was that he gets us out of sin by adopting us as his children. We are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that wild? We are co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We suffer. And Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation, right? the whole creation, not just humankind, plants and trees and animals, all of creation waits an eager expectation for the sons of God, the daughters of God, to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. The Father, ultimately, he allowed it to be subjected. And hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Wow, Paul is trippy here. This is wild language. It's very colorful. And just I just think of a kaleidoscope, and we'll look at it a little bit. And finally, he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. Let's ask Kristen Ashley, what are the pains of childbirth like? She was just in them. There's going to be a lot of groaning in, these, in this. I hope you're okay with that. In, this, in these few verses, we're gonna, a lot of people are groaning. Creation's groaning. You're going to find your groaning. The Spirit of God's groaning. So we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We all suffer as a part of a frustrated creation. Make no mistake, the Christian life is one that um, includes suffering. And some of the deepest suffering that we know is this suffering of fatherlessness. Some of you may remember Dennis Rodman, very colorful basketball player always known for his crazy hairdos, tattoos, and piercings. Played with many teams, Bulls, Mavericks, Lakers, um, who else? Uh, a few others. Known for his rebounding also. Um, but you know that his father left. Uh, they lived in New Jersey. His father left when he was three years old. That's why he moved back to Dallas. He'd eventually graduate from a, a Dallas high school and make his way into basketball. 
But his father moved to the Philippines, and when he was doing an exhibition game in the Philippines, probably in the early 2000s, um, so maybe even after his actual NBA career when he kept playing for some other kind of leagues, but he had an opportunity to meet his dad. And um, his dad's name is Philander, and his dad actually confessed to uh, um, fathering 29 children by 16 different moms. And uh, Dennis Rodman just um, kind of mentioned in his, his, his autobiography how, how painful that was, how difficult that was. And, um, but that he was happy to finally meet his dad. They exchanged, and just as far as a guy of the world could be concerned, and I don't really know Dennis Rodman's state, but he was, he was able to receive his father, able to accept his dad. But in his autobiography, he just says, you know, my dad was never a part of my life. I couldn't, even when I met him in the Philippines, I couldn't get to calling him dad or father. He says, I grew up with my mom, and I grew up with my two younger sisters. I didn't have a dad. Fatherlessness brings some of the biggest suffering we have. And then as I mentioned, Paul mentions how the frustration of the world, it's not only um, in our fatherlessness, but the whole creation is subject to some of this fatherlessness and some of the suffering, I should say. The whole creation is subject to this suffering. Paul is probably calling to mind the beautiful language that we have in Isaiah 65. Maybe you've heard of the scripture where it says that the wolf will lie down with the lamb. And in the back part of Isaiah 65, it's where um, Isaiah prophesies the Lord will make a new heavens and a new earth. And I think Paul has this in mind, that a new heavens, a new earth is coming. And so even though all of creation, and we see even all of the stuff that we subjected to, pollution and just we see the craziness of weather patterns these days, the whole creation is just longing for, for the kingdom to come. So God has subjected you and me and this whole creation of frustration, but it's not without hope and help. He is a good father, and he has hope, and he has help for us. Let's read about that hope now in 23 to 25. Not only so, meaning not only does the creation groan, but we ourselves, you and me, saints, followers of Jesus, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So a common tension in Scripture, the now versus the not yet, comes out again. We have a hope, and it's hope for something that's yet to come. And remember, just two weeks ago, we, I thought <laughs> Paul told us, hey, you have this spirit of adoption. You are adopted as Sons and daughters. That was the genius of God, right? The genius of God in us overcoming sin was that he's adopted us. He's called, he's drawn us in so we can be free from sin. But here Paul says, wait. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. Are you adopted as a son and daughter? You absolutely are. But man, that adoption will become complete when we meet God in heaven, when we will get the full redemption of our bodies in heaven. We will finally be free from the, uh, from the brokenness of our own selves in heaven. The earthly father, he provides hope. Let's look at a few other things. I'm at 23, not only so, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. What is Paul talking about there? You and me, we're saints, and he's writing to his friends here and saying, we have the first fruits of the spirit. He's speaking of the outpouring that happened at Pentecost. 
Do you know that these days are the greatest days to be alive in terms of relationship with God? Jesus unpacks this at great length in the Gospel of John, saying, hey, it is good for me to go away because you're going to send you the Spirit. And so sometimes people say to me, I don't feel close to God. I don't hear His voice. And my response to them is, do you know that God cannot be any closer to you than He is right now? He lives inside of you. Of course. Thank you, Jason. That's an amen, okay? He lives inside of you. It's what all the Old Testament, they were longing for that kind of relationship with God, and we have it. You and I have it. That's how God gives us hope. He lives us inside. He lives inside of us. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. It means the Spirit of God's come on us, and even if you're not, if you don't speak in tongues, if you don't uh, operate in the prophetic very easily, it doesn't mean you don't have these first fruits of the Spirit. You can walk in all the fullness and the giftings of the Spirit, Regardless of what gifts you have or don't have, the fact is that inwardly you have fruit of the Spirit. There's fruit of the Spirit coming outside of you and living inside you. Amen. There we go. Come on. He lives inside. For in this hope we were saved, right? The hope that we will be fully redeemed one day. And I love, you know, Paul just kind of breaks down a definition of hope here. Hope that's seen. It's no hope at all, right? It's not hope unless it's something we don't yet have. But it causes us to wait patiently. He's totally echoing what we talked about several weeks ago with Romans 5. This whole Romans 5 to 8 is one big kind of thing that Paul's put together. If you remember, I was about to throw a bucket of water on you people. I got a little scared, all right? Same thing he's saying here. So God gives us hope. And how, God gives us hope because he's been there. In other words, what authority does God have to say what he just said here? I mean, he has the authority because he's God. But the reason he can give hope is because he's been there. God in Christ has been there. Just as we are subjected to suffering, we know with confidence God has been there. Christ has been subject to the worst suffering that creation had to offer on a cross. He's been there. It's kind of like, and that's the same way it works earthly, right? I mean, our earthly fathers, one way that they give us hope is because they can say, hey, I've been there, son. I've been there, daughter. You're going to make it. I remember very clearly a distraught August day. Uh, the August of either my junior or senior year, and uh, the whole, it felt like the whole weight of the frustrated creation was on me because I was just trying to figure out, finally, what major should I land in at, at college? Now, there were computers back in the early 90s. Some of you doubt it, but there were. But still, the registration process at Baylor University, just because ac- the academy is always really interesting, it was still this very annoying process of going from building to building. It's 120 degrees out in the Texas, central Texas heat. August, I'm sweating, I'm melting. I owe money to this one. I got to sign this one, get this one's permission here, there. And I just started to have a meltdown because on the way to me is also thinking, what should I do with my life? And I remember in that meltdown also feeling the, the pressure of knowing that my dad had saved up tons of cash. And here I just felt like I was blowing it here and there. Every time you sign up for a class, there goes a few thousand dollars and just, ugh. I remember calling my dad and saying, Dad, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm frustrated as I'll get out, and I'm sweating like a pig, and uh, I'm annoyed. And, you know, he said, I don't remember exactly his words, but the essence of the conversation was, son, I've been there. You're going to make it. You know, it's going to be okay. Sign up for some classes. You will survive. We'll figure it out together. He could give me hope because he had been there. A very complex situation to me. He was able to instill hope. He didn't solve the problem for me in that minute, but he gave me hope because he'd been there. If my earthly father could do that, I guarantee you, 
but the Heavenly Father can do that for you day in and day out. Amen? All right, so he gives us hope. The second thing he does, he doesn't just give us hope and then back away and say, good luck, figure it out. He gives us hope, and then he gives us practical help along the way. Let's look at that help. Um, 26 and through 30, actually, 26 through 30. In the same way, again, the same way means in this whole groaning way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Isn't that great? The Spirit helps you. He helps. Everyone say helps. All right? He helps you. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with, for us with groans that words cannot express. Right? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Let's just look at a few highlights here. God is helping us. How does he help? He helps by sending his spirit. He groans too. Man, this is what gets me excited. Creation groans because it's rough. We groan because we long to be redeemed. But also know that the Spirit of God is groaning for you. The Spirit of God intercedes for you, right? Intercedes is like a go-between. Kind of think of the Sistine Chapel picture there of I can't remember who. Finger here, finger here. I don't know if that's quite the right illustration. But man, the Spirit of God, he's trying to connect you and God, right? Because he knows the Spirit um, he, he knows the uh, mind of the Spirit, and He knows us. He knows our hearts, and He's always putting us together. That's encouraging to me. Sometimes I want to pray. I don't know what to pray, you know? As a person who prays in tongues, a lot of times when I pray in tongues, I feel this thing happening. But you don't have to be a tongue prayer to experience the help of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because uh, it just happens. You can just groan if you want, man. If you don't have words, you can groan. Ugh! God, help me, right? And when I'm totally defeated and I can't even flap a tongue, I just say, God, help me. Help me. And there's the Spirit of God interceding, and it's wonderful. Amen? He helps us. He helps us. He helps us. And, of course, there's this highlight verse. Some of you have memorized it since you were kids. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, right? God helps us by guaranteeing that he's making sense of this mess, right? He's making sense of your mess. He can, he's working things in convergence. You can trust him. Even if it feels like things are going all to pieces, you can trust him that he is moving you towards a goal. What that goal is, we'll see in just a moment. But he is doing it. And it's valid for all of you, right? I know sometimes I read, growing up as a kid, I'd read Romans 8.28, and I'd say, oh, no, I don't th- know if I f- fit either of those categories, right? I, uh, I don't know if I fit the... Um, <laughs> And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And I'd say, God, I don't think I love you very much. I don't know if you've called me, but really, let me encourage you about that language. That, in, that language means all the saints, right? It's Godward and it's manward. It's, uh, let's see, and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Like, that's you loving God. I know you love God. You're included, right? And who have been called according to his purpose. That's God calling you. It means everyone's involved. All the saints, okay? That's you. And you can guarantee that God is working um, to make sense of all the stuff going on in your life. Nothing coming to our lives comes in apart from his sovereign, watchful care and eventually for his own beneficent purposes, right? He is for you. Now, that, view, that verse gets terribly abused, right? 
I hear it abused or maybe misused on both ends. That verse gets abused on this end with, a, you know, probably um, that verse isn't the best way I can comfort someone who's just lost a loved one. You know, hey, God works everything for good. Sorry you lost your, your child, you know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's, it's abused, I think, in the church when we kind of use it to gloss over real pain. God cares about your pain. And I think it's also misused on the other end when we kind of throw it back at God and say, God, you're supposed to make everything work out for good. Pay my bills, you know, or work this out, God, or do this, right? It can be abused on either end. But hey, I would say, as a phrase I heard at a, <laughs> at a church in Texas, it's father-filtered. Your life truly is father-filtered. Everything coming to you has been filtered by the Father. You can bear up under it. There is grace for you in Jesus' name. Okay? And what is his goal, right? He, is, he gives us hope, and he gives us help. He is helping us practically, and he's moving us all to this goal of being conformed to the image of Jesus. He's moving us towards Christ-likeness, and he's moving us towards relationship with our brothers and sisters, right? Verse 29, and he's such an initiator. Actually, all these words are words of initiation. Let's go through them in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he predestined. Both of those words are words of initiation. He's initiated with you, just like good earthly fathers. They initiate with their kids, right? He initiates with us, and why does he initiate with us? We can be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, okay? And those he predestined, right? Those who initiated with, he's also called. He's called you. Those who he's called, he's also justified. And those he's justified, he's also glorified. And as Johnny D uh, made clear to me this morning in prayer time, the fact that Paul is using the past tense here about a future event, he's saying, look, you've been glorified. When really, we're not going to be glorified until we get to heaven, but he has such confidence in it. Paul has such confidence that he used this past tense about a future event saying, you will be glorified in God. Okay? So as a good earthly father, God helps us. He gives us the spirit of God, and he makes sure that everything that's going on is is, it's meaningful. We're going to a goal. And he tells us what a part of that end goal is. It's to be more like Jesus. He helps us. I'll never forget my time in, um, I'll just close here with this. I'll never forget my time in um, Colorado. I was at um, a Ransomed Heart Boot Camp. It's uh, the author and speaker, John Eldridge, um, regularly has these boot camps. And uh, his wife does the same thing for women. But it's just an intensive time to hear teaching largely about this, about God's heart for us, his father heart, kind of deal with the masculine soul stuff. And uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, I became close, we, our, we had this table that just met the first dinner, and then we just stuck together through that whole three days of this ransomed heart boot camp. And one of the guys at my table was a man who had a stepson. And I, I was asking him, because I think at that time, J.D. was just, he was just recently born. He had to be less than one years old. And I remember just feeling anxiety about, gosh, I want to make sure that I can bond well with my own son. I want to make sure that I make time to do that. And uh, this gentleman, he just said, you know, one of my favorite things that I do with my stepson, this is how we build relationship. He likes motorcycles, and I'm I'm handy. And so I get alongside him. And and as my stepson is working on the motorcycle, I get alongside him. Now, sometimes my stepson will kind of fly off in a rage. Sometimes he won't be real happy about uh, my help. But he said, I'm committed to just coming alongside him. And when he has the humility to ask for it, I uh, get in there with him and say, hey, this is how you do this. And this is how you can fix this part. It's how you do that part and, and how you do this, that, and the other. Just that picture of him coming alongside his son, helping him practically 
I, that just picture has never left me. That um, when I think of how God the Father wants to relate with you and me, whatever you're doing, fixing a motorcycle, figuring out how to be a good spouse, figuring out how to love your kids, figuring out how to be functional at work, uh, figuring out how to be a good neighbor, different challenges you and I have, whatever you're doing, know that God loves to come alongside, right? He loves to come alongside you and say, try this, do that. I want to challenge some of you today because some of you don't believe that God the Father can really speak to you in something very practical. Some of us are just too religious. We have too much religious baggage. I want to tell you, in any situation, you can just pause and say, Father, what are you saying about this right now? Man, that'll change some of your marital spats, won't it? If you pause and say, Father, what are you saying right now in this moment? Won't that change some of your work performance? If you pause and you just say, God, what is the solution to this problem? Can you help me with my coworker? Or how do we find the solution here? You know, I'm working on a boat. I have a problem. How do I do this? I, I just want to challenge some of you this week to invite God the Father into some very practical things. Listen to the Holy Spirit who's groaning for you anyways, longing for you to just look up to heaven and ask the question, watch what he'll do. He will help you. Problems big and small, man, just give him a chance and watch what will start to happen. Actually, you'll never be the same. Once you start to rely on the Father for this thing and that thing, you will never be the same because you just so enjoy pausing saying, Father God, help me. Just like our, our buddy Robert out there was in a pinch on the mound and he finally got the encouragement from the father figure. He could finish the game, right? You guys are in those situations every day. You get in pinches all the time in relationships, in work, in whatnot, in finances. And God's just looking for you to look for him in the stands. Say, Father, where are you in the stands? Show me your hand clap for me so I can get this done and figure this out. Amen? That's what he wants to do. Hey, so really simply today, I will invite the worship team back up. We'll move these banners. Actually, maybe someone can help me and get these banners back down. But um, really simply, I think two things. One, and I've already really mentioned the first. The first thing is, let's repent of our hopelessness, right? When we, you know, um, how would it make me feel if J.D. or Hannah, if uh, they were always walking around the house, wringing their hands and saying, oh, I'm so hopeless, <laughs> you know? I'm so miserable, and uh, I'm never going to get helped, and this stinks, you know? If my kids walked around the house doing that, <laughs> I'd just be like, are you kidding me, you know? Here we are. Kelsey and I are here. We're here to help you, provide for you, encourage you. Like, are you crazy? We've been doing it for years and years. Before you were born, we were providing for you. You know, I remember putting together the crib before J.D. was born. Man, that was the time I needed the Father God to help me. <laughs> a few cuss words came out. So, anyways, thank you, Lord. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I think part, we need to repent of the hopelessness piece because you have so much hope, all right? We just read it in the scriptures. God's got hope for you, all right? And then I just want to encourage you, is there a place where you need help from God practically? Finances, marriage, relationships, vocation, what you're going to do this afternoon, whatever it is, we just invite God in. God is a good father, he wants to give you hope, and he wants to help you very practically, okay? Man, if we become a hopeful and helped church, we are going to be able to uh, really impact a world that is longing for hope and help. The closer we are walking with the Father, then the better this church is going to be at living 2 Corinthians 1, right? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, hey, with the same comfort you've received, go comfort others, all right? 
So yes, is it about you today? It sure is. It's about you. Receive the hope and the help that you need. But is it also about the rest of the world? <laughs> it sure is, right? You receive help and hope from the Father. You start to walk intimately with Him. Then man, it's going to turn things upside down. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get, help. let's get helped and hoped. All right, hoped up and helped. Why don't you guys stand up? Oh, Father, we just receive afresh the fact that you groan. Man, the Spirit of God's groaning. It's not just, uh, we don't have to wonder what the Spirit of God's thinking. The Spirit of God is groaning, so eager to impart hope to us and to give us help. I pray, actually first, I pray in particular for the men in this room that in Jesus' name, they'd receive afresh the Spirit of Adoption so that we as men would not misuse or abuse strength on one end, or on the other hand, we would not um, be timid and not display strength when it's needed. But I pray, Spirit of Adoption, come on us once again. Give us the hope we need and give us the help we need. And I pray that even right now, there would be uh, solutions to problems big and small, words of encouragement, the simple hand clap from heaven to each one in this room where they need that hand clap. And heal our hearts, Father. We are a wounded people. We're a product of this culture. We are fatherless in many ways. And I pray that God come on us as a people. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our members of our prayer team to come forward. If anything's stern in you, you just want a partner to voice prayer with, please come on up. Let our prayer team pray with you. Otherwise, let's worship the Lord. Let him do what he does.